Folks, if you're liking what you're getting from 30MPC, the number one way you can support us is by subscribing to our newsletter. Every week, you only get two emails. On Monday, you get a content roll-up of everything that dropped last week. And on Fridays, I pick one topic and I personally write a deep dive on things like how to cold call, how to run a discovery call, or even how to hire an AE. So if you're liking what you're getting here, take two seconds, go to the show notes. You'll see a button to subscribe to our newsletter, or you can go to 30mpc.com backslash newsletter and do it there. We'll catch you soon. Cheers. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to this episode of 30 Minutes to President's Club. My name is Armand Farouk. I'm here with my co-host, Nick Sigelski. And today, we have the one and only Parker, the SDR manager over at Gong. Nick, why should people listen? If you got to make cold calls and send cold emails to book meetings, you probably want to listen to Parker. He's got some really interesting strategies around creating your own marketing qualified leads by teeing up emails and stack ranking your cold calls by opens. It's really interesting, so give it a listen. Three, two, one, free leads. Today's tip to optimize your sales day is brought to you by Boomerang. If you get an email and the action required on that email is going to take you less than two minutes to do, do it on the spot. It's not worth adding it to your to-do list, having to look at the item, remember what you need to do. That's going to take you more than two minutes anyway. So do it on the spot, get it off your plate. Now we documented our best templates and tips to help you optimize your sales day with our friends at Boomerang. And you can get that documentation for free at the link in the show notes. Today's deal acceleration cheat code is brought to you by Pipedrive, which is a CRM built by sellers for sellers. The best way to drive your pipeline forward is to every single day, pull up a list of all of your open opportunities and look at each opportunity by stage and think, what can I do today that will increase my likelihood of winning this deal? That's how you keep your ops moving forward in between meetings that you have on the calendar. Now we documented five cheat codes that can help you cut your sales cycle in half with Pipedrive. There's a link in the show notes to steal them. Gong's going to help you run the five minute drill at the end of all of your calls today. At the end of a call, pressure test the prospect with three questions. Number one, do you want to buy? If the answer is no, why set a next step at all? Number two, when do you want to buy? If it's tomorrow, we got to move fast. Number three, how do you buy? Based on the first two answers, I can now adequately decide if and how I set a next step. And this was stolen from the Gong 30 MPC 90 Minute Masterclass, and you can steal it too in the show notes. Here's my secret to being a sales superhuman. It's auto reminders for everything. If I expect any reply from a prospect, I press command H and superhuman pops it right back into my inbox if I don't get a reply in two days. That means if you handle an objection, if you suggest times for a meeting, or if you ask for cuts back on red lines, always create a two-day reminder task and assume they will not reply. So if you want to follow up on time every time, you can get a free month of superhuman by checking it out in the show notes. Today's deal acceleration tip is brought to you by Demandbase. If you want to save a ton of time as a salesperson and be more relevant, I recommend you prioritize your prospecting by those prospects who are showing buyer intent. It'll keep you from making a bunch of noise and reaching out to folks who aren't in market, and instead you'll reach out to folks who are in market. Now, we built a bunch of templates to help you prioritize, accelerate, and win with Demandbase, and there is a link to those wonderful templates in today's show notes. All right, Parker, welcome to the show. We start every single episode with your top three actionable takeaways. Let's get your three. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, so top three are going to be how to handle email objections like a pro and turning email opens into demos. What I mean by this is when you're an SDR, you're going to have the urge 
when somebody responds via email with an objection, like you're going to get every day, you're going to want to craft some crazy response to try to get a demo. We're going to go over today how to handle those like a pro and how to turn them into demos. Second takeaway is going to be understanding objections before trying to handle them. What we see often is it's always a race, right? We always want to get the demo in three minutes and we always want to you know, quickly handle the objection and move on. The problem that we see with that is we don't fully understand the objection. So we're not correctly handling it. Therefore, we're never getting over the objection. And when we're trying to close, we still never overcame their original objection. We're going to go over how you can quickly but efficiently be able to you know, correctly overcome people's objections on cold calls. Last piece is going to be making the calls relevant to your prospects. All they care about is what's in it for them. What is your offering going to do for them specifically? I get cold called all the time. We're on the phone for four or five minutes. I still don't know what's in it for me. What does your product do for me? I don't care what it does or how it works. All I want to know is the value that's in it for me. We're going to go over how you can quickly do that on the front half of your calls. Parker, you talked about like quickly handling stuff and quickly getting to the demo. Can you talk a little bit more about like that and what we should be doing instead? Yeah, definitely. So, you know, let's say somebody hits you with an objection of, right? Like, I'm just trying to think of of one off the top of my head. Like, you know. We looked at call intelligence software in the past, Parker, and it just seems like a lot of work to set up. Okay. Yeah, definitely. So I'd want to understand more about when you did look at call intelligence and you say, you said it like it took a lot of time to set up. Like, I, I don't want to assume that like, I, you know, I, I don't know, like, did, did you implement software? Like what, like how far did you get? Like that's, I feel like it's so open-ended, right? It really could have been anything. So I probably want to get to like, okay, that's really interesting. Like try to help me understand here. So like you actually went in and, and tried to set up like some sort of conversational intelligence. Like, was it like an actual product? Was it something you built in house? Right. Like I, I want to learn more. I love what you're doing there, Parker, because I feel like the temptation for a salesperson is to be like, no, well, Gong is so easy to set up. Let me tell you about how easy it is to set up. And we had a guest on the show a couple of weeks ago. And one of the things he said stuck with me, he said, trade your cleverness for bewilderment. And the idea is there's the temptation to when you hear an objection, it's like, I know how to answer that. But you're right. You have to seek first to understand before being understood, because to your point, if they built something in-house, addressing that objection is going to be very different than if they like, I don't know, did a trial of gong at their last company, but maybe they didn't even log in once. So you're right. You need to understand those things. So I feel like we we can jump back a couple paces to like before you even get to the objection, you're making cold calls and you lead a team of people who are making cold calls and prospecting. Can you talk me through some of the best practices that you share with your SDR team when it comes to like making cold calls? Yeah, definitely. So prep is going to be key. And what I always tell everyone to do is prep the day before. So I don't want to come in on a Tuesday with no call tasks, no call research done. I'm scrambling in the morning during like prime time calling hours to build this list, to build the the research. And then I finally start calling. Every day before I, you know, clock off for the day per se, you know, let, let's say I want to be done working at five. At 4 p.m., I'm building my next day to make sure that, hey, if I got to do 60 calls tomorrow, like I have 60 call tasks ready to go. 
And I already have some sort of like three by three research to be able to, you know, get on the phone, quickly make it relevant to them, but but add a little bit of personalization because they're getting cold called right and left, especially like we're calling into sales leaders. Like we got to sound a little bit different than everyone else to like break through that noise. Because um, like as big of a brand uh, like Dong is, like not everyone knows what it is or, or cares what it is, right? So we have to like really have a good icebreaker and really quickly make it relevant and get them excited uh, within the first 30 seconds or, you know, the call really goes downhill from there. And what do you do when people turn on the sales pitch and they're like, ah, no, like I know they're trying to help me make more money. Everyone wants to help me make more money. And they just like put up the guards and they say like, Parker, this is great, but I'm not interested. How do you start to break that down or disarm that? Yeah, absolutely. So I think how we do it with Gong, right? Is like, Armand, can I level with you real quick? This is a cold call. I'm, a, I'm an SDR over here at Gong. I'm, I'm just making some cold calls. Hey, I understand that I just called you out of the blue and, and I'm probably telling you what everyone else is telling you, right? We're going to make you more money. We're going to get you more conversations. Can I just tell you why Gong is different than literally every other technology out there and why it's relevant to you? Because I've done a ton of research on your company. You've grown by 250% in the last year. You guys are hiring SDRs and AEs, and it looks like you guys just raised a huge round of funding. Like to me, those are huge signals that you guys need Gong or at least need to start exploring some sort of revenue intelligence tool. So my favorite way to handle not interested is exactly how you're describing it. First thing you're doing is you're literally just calling out exactly what went through their mind in those first 30 seconds. You're saying like, hey, you probably think I'm like every single other person who's calling you trying to save you money or make you money. And they're like, you're sort of right. And then you acknowledge that you're making cold calls. And then the last thing you're doing is you're making them feel like you've built a little bit of goodwill by throwing your research out there so that they're like, okay, I feel bad that this person spent three minutes or five minutes getting to know me as a person or a company. And then now what I'm going to do is hang up on them immediately. What you're totally doing is disarming the objection and turning yourself into a human being. Do I have that approach right? Absolutely. Yeah, hundred percent. It's like that accusation audit, but also too like, yeah, just letting them know like, hey, <laughs> I'm an SDR. Like I'm, I'm grinding out over here, making a ton of cold calls uh, and, and I'm trying to be the best that I can be. But, you know, obviously I, I missed the mark a little bit at the beginning. Parker, one of the things you talked about earlier in the research side of things was this three by three rule. Can you tell me what that is? Yeah, I'm giving you three minutes to go and find three quick, relevant pieces of information. It doesn't even have to be anything crazy. Like the last thing I want to do is like read off like, hey, Armand, I saw you were over at, you know, XYZ company. And I, I saw you've been the director of business development for three years. Like that's to me, that's boring. Right. But what I want to see is like you're hiring. You've had growth. Like LinkedIn's telling me you've had huge growth. Like just saw you hired a CRO just saw you got this big round of funding, like just saw you launch this big product, like something that took a little bit of effort to find, but also like you weren't digging for hours looking for this, you know, piece of information. So that gets back to like our account tiering, right? So like my tier ones are like my top accounts are going to be having those like buying signals of Gong where they're hiring, they got funding, like, you know, they have a big sales team that kind of looks similar to ours, where they have AEs, SDRs, they have, you know, maybe a CRO or VP of sales. Um, another thing I look for is like a request demo button um, on their website, right? Because to me, that tells me like, hey, they're demoing some sort of platform via web conferencing 
now it's relevant for Gong to be able to help. And then also too, they have an SDR team that's using some sort of a dialer. So we can actually capture those conversations. So not only am I like qualifying the tech stack by looking at some of this stuff, but it's also showing me that like, wow, this is a really big top account and we have a ton of customers just like them. So if we take one of those examples, let's call it the request a demo button. I think most people have a request a demo button. How would you turn that initial trigger into either a value prop or a phone opener or even possibly email copy so that you throw that right in front at the beginning? Yeah, definitely. So I'd probably just rely back to how we're using it internally, right? So you request a demo, boom, it goes over to an SDR. It books time for the SDR. The SDR is going to do a qual call. I think with every single company, it's making sure they have that initial qual call with the SDR down, right? Qualification's good. We're doing good discovery and like trying to get that consistent across their entire SDR team, but also too, like having visibility for the AE to be able to see that qual or that discovery call, right? To get them prepped for that next demo call they're going to have with the prospect. So making that handoff like seamless to the AE side. Parker, you put something in the prep doc about treating email opens like MQLs. And I'm wondering if you can talk about that strategy a little bit. Yeah. So every SDR has has made the case of like, hey, I'm not getting enough MQLs uh, for marketing, right? And so my pushback on that is like, okay, well, why don't you create your own, right? Like aside from people coming inbound from like events, webinars, or maybe a demo request, a lot of it is just them interacting with your content and you know meeting a certain threshold where they're now counting as an MQL. We can do the same thing with emails. So what I would do every day before, I, I would make sure I had my call task for the next day, but I'd also schedule you know a good 60 to 100 emails, really targeted list with some really good email content. Some of it would be personalized if it was like a top account, others would just be more templated. And I would have those go out at 8 a.m., And what I would do was when I started dialing at like 8.15, 8.30, what I would do is I would call everyone that replied, opened my email, clicked on my email, interacted with it in any way. Like those are the people I would call first. And to me, that's telling me you either have your phone in your hand or you're sitting in front of your computer. And they would answer. We'd be able to have a conversation about the email that I sent them as kind of a three by three, right? And then, you know, we'd go into the conversation from there. So you're literally sending all of your emails at one point in time so that you can quickly look at of your 60 emails, which 10 got opened and you're prioritizing those dials as your dial blitz in the morning. Yep, absolutely. You talked about leveling with your prospects during your cold calls. And I think you've done a couple things where you're basically calling out the fact that you're a sales leader and I'm a sales rep. Like, give me a shot, dude. Are there other times where you're sort of trying to take the prospect out of like defensive mode by just calling that out? Oh yeah, absolutely. All the time. I think like the more I can humanize the conversation and the more I can make them feel like, I don't want to say like bad for me, but like, remember like when they were a sales rep back in the day. Right. So I I think, uh, you know, sometimes people will tell me like, I'm just not interested. Like I got to go. And it's like, Hey, can can I level with you real quick? Like I obviously missed the mark somewhere on my pitch because I've called like 10 sales leaders today and you're the first person to tell me I'm not interested. And like, I, I must have, I must have totally butchered this pitch. Like, do you mind if I just start over? Right. Or, or, or can I, can I try again? Like what would I have to do or say, or what value would I have to show you to, to be able to change your mind? 
right? Because obviously like what I'm saying is not relevant to you. One of the most memorable meetings I ever booked, like I cold call law firms and sometimes the name of law firms sort of looks like a person's name. And so I called the managing partner of this huge law firm in New York City. And the guy like picks up the phone and he's super gruff. And I address him not by his name, but by the name of his law firm. And then I realized it. I was like, well, I just completely butchered that. And I, I called you the name of your law firm. I know your name is Armand Farouk. Can I get 10 seconds just to redo my pitch? And the guy's cracking up. And I ended up booking a meeting with the guy. And so every time we met after that, he made a joke about how I was an idiot. But it ended up working out. So yeah, I mean, the second that you like take the sales hat off and you admit that you're you're not infallible, like I feel like things go a lot better. Parker, one of the things you talked about earlier was like the queuing up of the emails and that first hour you're spending cold calling. And I have to imagine that you're teaching your team about like best practices around the daily schedule because it can be really easy to go down the rabbit holes as an SDR. Can you talk me through like what an optimal SDR daily schedule looks like? Yeah, definitely. So what I like to do is schedule around when you're seeing your prospects answering the phone, whether it's based on your data, your team's data, or the work's data. But I always like to have at least three call blocks, three hours of calling throughout the day. So I like to do something early in the morning, like an eight to nine, right? Then I'll probably do a 10 to 11. And then I'll probably finish it up with either like a one to two, two to three, or maybe even a three to four if I've got like a lot of Pacific time uh, to follow up on. I really tell my SDRs, like, think of the task you're doing. And like, if that's time sensitive or is like a good use of your time right now, right? Like first thing in the morning, uh, you know, I, I don't know, I don't know if I'm going to be wanting to prospect, right? Like I want to be doing that the back half of my day because during prime working hours when people are going to answer the phone and when I can book demos, like, I don't want to be doing administrative work. I think, now that you're remote, having structure on your calendar every day is key, but also setting goals for each thing you want to get done during those calendar blocks. So if I have an hour call block, I'm going to put have 25 conversations and schedule one demo or have two conversations and have one lead to next steps, right? And I know if I did that hour and I didn't accomplish that, now I need to double down and, and get up to speed on that second one and do more so that I don't continue to fall behind. Have a working buddy with some of this stuff, right? Get on a Zoom and make cold calls with another one of your coworkers or two or three. Everyone mutes themselves and it's just cool seeing each other's face. You can't hear each other, but at least like having someone there and not being alone. Who should SDRs be calling? Because I sometimes talk to SDRs like you guys are selling into the sales function for the most part. And you have all sorts of people who use Gong all the way down from like the SDRs and the, the average individual contributors like me to the CRO. So there's a use case for everybody. Who should the SDRs actually be cold calling? Yeah. So I break it down like this. So you've got your you've got your DMs, right? And your DMs are really just going to be the titles that fit the qual criteria. Because at the end of the day, like I want to schedule meetings that are going to flip and they're going to get me paid. Um, and if I'm setting up meetings with, let's say, SDRs or AEs who can be great champions or influencers, like it's not going to be a qualified meeting, unfortunately. What I do is always go after right those DMs first, see what you can do. Like you can never start too high, but you can always go back down. So if you've gone after all the qualified titles at that account already, you've had no luck. Turn to ICs. So it's not so much like 
hey, can you go and, and get me a meeting with John and like do my job for me? But it's more of like, hey, how well you know John? Like, how would you get a meeting with him? And I've had a lot of, of luck with that. Where SDRs are like, yeah, he doesn't take cold calls at all. Like he never answers his phone, but he's really big on responding over email. But if you're going to email him, you need to make it extremely relevant and like hyper-personalized or he's not going to respond. And it's like, okay, great. Like any like hot topics I should know about? Like, yeah, we're growing like crazy. And he's like pulling his hair out with onboarding. Like any case studies around how you've helped companies like ours onboard would be huge. So now I've gotten like just over like a, a 10 minute LinkedIn conversation with the, this SDR. I've got everything I need to type this like killer email to John. And John has no idea that I've been talking to his SDR and getting all this information. Well, one of the critical things I want to point out in that story you just shared, you're not just saying like, oh, okay, I need to make it super relevant and personalized. Thanks for letting me know. Because what does that actually mean? And so when you asked, okay, well, like any, any hot button topics that I should point out, well, now you know from the inside exactly what you need to be doing as opposed to you like, it's amazing sometimes like when we're doing research, the best way to do research is actually to talk to a human being. Like when I'm doing research, sometimes I really struggle to find out who the managing partner at a law firm is because it's not always public information, but that's the decision maker I need to get a hold of. And I realized instead of like reading like all sorts of weird stuff on their website and like trying to do search analytics on Google, I call the front desk and I say, hey, who's your managing partner? And they tell me. And so Sometimes talking to a human being can be the fastest way to get research done. The last question that I have for you is, I don't know, this might be totally irrelevant, in which case we can cut it, but you're doing a decent amount of volume. And one of the things that I find that teams who are doing high volume tend to struggle with is sometimes open rates drop, sometimes you get like spam blocked and stuff like that. And so I'm curious in terms of making sure that those hundred prospects per week actually get their emails open, that you actually don't get sent to the spam folder. Are there any tactics for optimizing your open rate on your emails? Yeah, that's a great question. I think uh, one thing that I don't do is we don't put like any links or like GIFs or like any images. Those seem to like get caught by like spam blockers a lot and like dramatically decrease. So we try to add like just a really good personalization at the top and then like why it's relevant to them. And then using, you know, like one of Gong's top, like call to actions of, you know, setting up some sort of next steps or, or maybe even leaving it open-ended for them to reply to. Parker, this has been awesome. This has been a really great conversation about some best practices for SDRs. So we got to move to the last question now. And the last question is the inverse of all of the best practices we've talked about. I want to ask you about a bad habit. My question is, what's a bad habit that you see a lot of salespeople exhibiting that you think they need to stop doing because it's hurting them more than it's helping? Yeah, I think a bad habit that I see is it's really, really, really easy to get in like a negative slump. Um, that, that's like the biggest curse I see on salespeople, right? It's really easy to go negative and like everything that's going on around you. And then like, you're just bringing that onto your cold calls. You're bringing that to your emails. Like you're just bringing that to your outreach and it's really not setting you up for success, right? Um, we gotta find some way to have that like glass full, uh, glass half full attitude, right? So taking everything in stride is like a learning lesson or like, you know, how did I grow from this? Right. Um, but, but that's the biggest thing I see. Like, I, I get that it's a job. I get that things don't go your way sometimes, but like, you know, realizing like, this is a business, uh, you know, I grew from this moment. I learned from it. Like, here's how I'd approach it next time. Like, 
spinning everything into a positive is big in sales. Cause like there, there's a lot of, you face a lot of rejection. Sometimes things don't go your way. You don't close the deal you want, or you don't get the response you want, or like this 20 minute cold call you had doesn't turn into a demo. And it's like really easy to get, get hard on yourself, uh, get negative. Like what I always like to say, like, as long as I can walk away from that deal, from that account, from that prospect, knowing that I did everything that I could to convert it and no one else could have done anything differently. Like I'm okay with that. And at the end of the day, it's their loss, right? Because I know the value that, that, you know, whatever I'm selling brings and I knew it was a great fit. And if they don't want to hear about it, like that's, that's totally fine. I love it. Parker, thanks for coming on. Everybody stick around for a 60 second recap coming up soon. Today's tactic to triple your connect rate is brought to you by Rocket Reach, who provides data that lets you reach out to the right person at the right account at the right time. Every time you're reaching out to an account, pull down the contacts again. Yes, I know it sucks, but the average tech tenure is two years, which means 50% of the workforce turns over every year. So look up the account, pull anyone who was hired, and scratch anyone who was left. And one way you can pull verified and accurate data is with Rocket Reach. So if you like this, check out their toolkit on eight ways to triple your cold call connects in the show notes. Today's prospecting tip is brought to you by Woodpecker. When you're sending a sales email, you generally want to avoid putting punctuation in the subject line. If you've got an exclamation point, it makes it seem like you're shouting at them. Look at this amazing offer. And a question mark just smells salesy. So avoid punctuation. Now, if you want to steal my full sales cadence from my friends at Woodpecker, there's a link in the show notes for you to go get it and try it for free. Otter AI's Otter Pilot for Sales gives you the freedom to sell on your discovery calls by taking notes for you. One of the best ways to deepen your discovery is to ask your prospect about the impetus behind their goals. So when a prospect tells me they want to advertise on more sales podcasts, I'll say, well, it's not every day that you wake up and decide you want to sponsor a podcast. What's causing you to even explore this in the first place? Now, we put together the ultimate discovery checklist with our friends at Otter AI, which you can get for free at the link in the show notes. Your top four takeaways from this episode with Parker from Gong include, number one, when somebody says not interested, just ask them, can I level with you quick? Look, you're in sales, I'm in sales, or you have sales reps, you know I'm a sales rep, do something to call it the fact that you're making cold calls, break the mold. Number two, three by three research. Find your top buying signals, tear out your accounts, whether they're hiring, they just got funding, they requested a demo. And then always start with your qualified prospects and then work your way to other people who could refer you to qualified prospects. Number three, 60 email tasks locked and loaded for 8 a.m. After you send out those 8 a.m. email tasks, you're going to look at the folks who, who opened your emails and you're going to dial those folks specifically. And then lastly, number four, when you screw up your pitch, just say, hey, I really screwed that one up. Can I try again? You'll almost always get a good laugh out of it. All righty, folks. Nick, how can people help us out? Well, don't screw up your review of 30 Minutes to President's Club. Again, my favorite pastime in the world is going on to Apple Podcasts and reading the heartwarming reviews from our loving fans. So if you haven't left a heartwarming review and you'd like to, it would make Nick's day. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week on 30 Minutes to President's Club. Gong's going to help you run the five-minute drill at the end of all of your calls today. At the end of a call, pressure test the prospect with three questions. Number one, do you want to buy? If the answer is no, why set a next step at all? Number two, when do you want to buy? 
if it's tomorrow, we got to move fast. Number three, how do you buy? Based on the first two answers, I can now adequately decide if and how I set a next step. And this was stolen from the Gong 30 MPC 90 Minute Masterclass, and you can steal it too in the show notes. Today's deal acceleration tip is brought to you by Demandbase. If you want to save a ton of time as a salesperson and be more relevant, I recommend you prioritize your prospecting by those prospects who are showing buyer intent. It'll keep you from making a bunch of noise and reaching out to folks who aren't in market, and instead you'll reach out to folks who are in market. Now, we built a bunch of templates to help you prioritize, accelerate, and win with Demandbase, and there is a link to those wonderful templates in today's show notes.